0: saying how much they want a strong woman what they really want is a cheerleader
1: i'd like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking i just want what everybody wants i seem to have a harder
2: time getting it Hello everyone and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 329 and it's loving all the time. It's your host, Safety Whitey waiting in the booth with me, all my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, amazing critic. And if you don't believe me, I'll fight you. It's the Christmas Eddie himself, Alonzo all Day, what's good? Well, I'll tell you,
1: Iffy, uh, as a lot of people know, my husband, Dave White, had his first of two hip replacement surgeries a few weeks ago. And so while he is usually the person who cooks around here, you know, he's been kind of out of commission. And our friends have been really lovely about bringing food over or giving us, you know, gift cards for different delivery services or just sending cool stuff in the mail. And one of the things we got um, from the fine folks at Gold Belly were the Chef Jose Andres slow cooked Iberico pork rib. Ribs. And I don't know what else I need to tell you except that they are Jose Andres slow cooked Iberico pork ribs, and uh, they arrived frozen. And you know we uh, tossed them in the oven, heated up the sauce that came with it, and it was heavenly. So thank you to our. our I I don't know how much these cost. I don't want to know. Uh, but as a gift, they were great, and they were enjoyed. Ooh,
3: I love yeah. the culinary description there. We heated yeah. up the sauce. And we put them in the oven.
2: (laughs) That's all you need to do. Oh, I can almost taste them myself. It was that simple. You know, everyone forgets. It's as simple as heating the sauce, putting it in the oven. Yeah, no, I, I am also... Tail is old as time. <laughs> gold belly, I came into my life when I left Austin and forgot to get barbecue, and you can order Franklin's from gold belly, and then oh. you just reheat it. So that's also, you know...
1: You, you can also get uh, brisket from Snow's, but I think wait until you win the lottery. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> You can also get on gold belly guy fieri's trash can nachos and they send it in a little trash can and then you build the nachos in a trash can and then you dump it out and you eat it
1: i love a oh, the theme oh man yes
4: <laughs> that's a great gift that's yeah. I mean. yeah who doesn't want that i know i haven't been introduced yet but that's as good an introduction <laughs> for me as any
2: well you know who else is a great gift none other than the queen of the midwest herself <laughs> super festival programmer producer Drea clark what is good
3: Okay, you guys. Um, what is good with me? I went to visit my dear friend Tessa this weekend in New Orleans. New Orleans. And we had the best time. We ate some good food. Some things that we heated up the sauce and then we put the rest <laughs> in the oven as uh, you're meant to do with food. But more importantly, Tessa knows me and therefore she surprised me by taking me to a performance of the acro cats. And if you think, wow, is that combining the words acrobatics and cats? It sure is. And I sure watched it with my human eyes, like mouth agape. I Did I cry human tears at one point? Because they uh, regularly foster and so have new cats in circulation that they've just tra- taught tricks. And then they walk across the stage with signs that say adopt us. And I was like, thank God, I'm in a different state right now because the (laughs) amount of cats I would bring home with me is uh, uncountable.
1: If if you adopt them, are they out of the show or are they still expected to come back and perform?
3: No, they are. (laughs) They have like the permanent uh, troupe of performers hmm. and then they integrate and part of it is she really she's a, a lovely advocate the woman who started this she's been doing it for years and years. So the main performers are her cats that she like tours. she has a big ass tour bus. With the cats on one of those wraps around it. And yes, I took a picture in front of it. It's absolutely insane and amazing. And I recommend it. And she sells a, a book on how to train your cats with like a clicker and whatever. Ooh. And don't think... I watched that and was like, oh, I'm, I can do this. I can teach my <laughs> chubby little lazy babies what how to get through a hoop. But it was... It was absolutely impressive and then also absolutely manic because at one point it ends with the rock cats and there's all these musical instruments and there were probably 11 cats on stage at the same time playing different instruments. So it's I was like the see,
1: polyphonic spree, but feline.
3: It, yes, <laughs> which it, honestly is a dream I've had before and did not think I'd see come to life. So,
1: well, train your yeah. cats not to chew your wires during recording of this podcast
2: and then go to the hoop park.
3: Baby steps. Yeah, i gotta get yeah. that clicker first
2: <laughs> i'm glad that i do this you know downstairs in the office now because tuna is a bangle and that's a new beast that's our newest Ify,
3: cat. the lead cat of the acrocats is named tuna that's the hero cat it's on all the marketing amy nicholson wrote me i i put this on instagram and amy nicholson was like i have a poster of tuna
2: (laughs) of course she does i I can send you a poster of tuna it'll be a different tuna
3: (laughs) i'll take it
2: yes (laughs) all right well that voice you heard earlier is the wonderful author, screenwriter and critic who wrote Trill, The Witches Are Coming, and Shit Actually,
4: Lindy West, what's good? Hello! Okay, so... A new detail in my life, a new development is that I have moved to the forest, and I live in the woods, and there is no town. I live deep, deep, deep in the woods on a dirt road. I am half an hour from a store. And it's incredible. Now, um, I've lived here for about two months. Um... And not a lot happens. You get really attuned to the minutia of life. But something exciting happened this week. And not only was it thrilling and scary, but it is a mystery. And if there's one thing I love, it's a mystery. So yesterday, I take my dog, who's a golden retriever named Barry, who is very bad. Uh, and we Aww. walked. So that uh, being bad in a good way. Love him. We stand him. Um, <laughs> and every day Barry has to take a walk in the woods, or else he loses his mind and um, bites me. So we take our daily walk, and there's um, sort of a, a road slash path that goes down through the woods, and you can you come out at this uh, beautiful, remote, empty beach. With ice cold water, and Barry likes to swim in the water and fetch sticks. So he's way faster than me. He always beats me down to the beach today or yesterday. I get down there, he's nowhere to be found, which has never happened before. He's always down there waiting for me to throw him a stick. So I'm terrified. I'm like, did he get eaten by a sea lion? We have like a Republican neighbor who threatened to shoot any dog that comes on his property. (laughs) I'm like, what happened to Barry? So then I backtrack up the path. And then I find him in the bushes where he has discovered entrails, like a stomach and a bunch of intestines, like a pile of guts in the (laughs) woods. And I was like, what? And he wasn't even eating them. He was just sort of investigating them. Thank God. But I assume that they came from a deer. We do have cougars, but it was like, here's the mystery. It was just the guts. Like, there was no anything else. There was no carcass. No carcass. There was no blood. There were no antlers. (laughs) There was no fur. It was just the stomach and the intestines. Maybe and somebody I was, was like,
1: making haggis and then they were interrupted
4: <laughs> in the woods. Um, <laughs> I was going to say you
1: had
3: the the it a bush. Of the, Yeah, you were on your way to a cozy mystery and then you said entrails. I know, yeah. I
4: know. It's not. It's actually not a cozy mystery. It is a bone chiller. And so then I was trying to come up because I can't. Re, I can't explain how not accessible this place is. Like there is no way that anyone would act even accidentally happen upon this part of the road like it's a dead end there's a gate you have to go through it is in the middle of nowhere so i was like okay um that's weird uh you know it seems like a hunter shot a deer and then um pulled the guts out and left it you know like dressed the deer on site. that that, like that's a common sloppy
1: field dressing exactly
4: (laughs) except there's no hunting there's no hunters who why would anyone do this so anyway I'm sorry. The, the, the What's good for me is that this is so exciting to try to figure <laughs> out, even though it also is scary. But It's I, totally like, exciting. And I had one theory of who it might be, like a, a neighbor slash friend. And I texted him and I was like, "Are did you leave these guts here? And he was like, no. And then he was like, Why, how could anyone leave guts there? And he's like a mountain man expert. And I was like, I don't know. So anyway, we still haven't figured it out. Please keep us posted, because now I I'm going to think of this for years.
3: Okay. Yeah.
4: I wonder if Lindy
3: ever got to the bottom of them guts.
2: We I don't think resolution. I will. That is, yeah, that is so wild. Right? Iffy, what's good? What's good with me is, um, you know, just, just a combination of all the things I think we've all talked about. I actually went up to the woods with friend of the pod, Mallory O'Mara, Uh, and we, you know, I took them snowboarding. Everyone came down in one piece. So that was the woods thing for the cat thing. Tuna uh, got his balls uh, juiced, uh, which means is a weird way to say that he got neutered. Uh, and he is a demon. They were like, he's going to be on meds. He's going to be like, you know chill, just try not to get him jump. This man is a demon. It's like he knows what I took from him. He is jumping on things. He is in my face. And, it, and, and it's a whole thing. Also, Charlie, who's the main coon, is a bum who like cannot let anyone have anything that she eats because I have to give them like the pain meds and she keeps trying to eat it and I'm like you don't even want this because when she did need pain meds she didn't want it but now that tuna's getting it she wants it and my food thing is um, Mammoth Brewing Company I gotta shout you out every time um Played some shuffleboard. Um, I'm in my, my white shit era. I got the, you know, uh, January 6th shades on in, in on my head. I've been real into hockey to spite white men because I noticed that they've been quizzing me like nerds quiz women when they see me in a hockey jersey. So now I'm about to get really into fucking hockey to spite white men. Uh, so it's a, it's a real journey here, y'all. But it's all good. It's Christmas. Um, oh, and I got to uh, suggest Alonzo's book to someone and uh, they, they bought it i'm keeping it mad vague because Sweet. just in case they are a listener but i'm very happy it was like such a like a like a i got a guy moment where like they're like i just have a friend who's really into hallmark movies and i was like and they like books i was like oh you said the two things i got an answer for <laughs> And they bought the book right there on the spot, so I feel oh, uh, very great. Thank so you, you for being my street good. team, Iffy. Look, always. <laughs> I'll have to post another nude. But uh, today we're talking about Love Actually, and then we're going to take live hotline questions about the movies that you don't feel the same about as you used to. But first, it's time for Itty our movie news segment, where it stands for Is This Important? Do I Care? Normally we take a look back at the week's movie news, but this time around we're going back 20 years in the past to the month of today's movie, Love Actually, which was released in theaters November of 2003. All these stories come to you fresh from the archives of the still young internet.
3: And we're going to start with this one, which is a very funny thing. I encourage you to look up the cover that this comes out on. When Entertainment Weekly asked, Keanu Reeves, is there life after The Matrix? Matrix Revolution, the third one, is hitting theaters this month. The trilogy rocketed the actor once thought of synonymous with the slightly dense Bill and Ted character into a multi-million dollar superstardom. Now that the trilogy is wrapping up, it is unclear where the actor, who is about to turn 40, which, I mean, he might as well be dead, (laughs) is headed next. Beyond playing dark comic book hero in Constantine, that is. Is this important? Do you care? Have you guys ever heard of Keanu Reeves?
1: <laughs> oh, the 20 years. Where'd he go? What happened? Now, predictions are, are, are hard and embarrassing, and uh, they, they often don't pan out like this one.
3: Listen, I've been around a lot of hard and embarrassing things in my life, not to brag, um, and this one's up there. I, I'm very proud of them, but I will say I don't think any of us saw – the John Wick of it all coming. And if you did, good for you. I hope you bought stock in that. Is that how there was that how stock works? Oh, for sure. There was
1: absolutely a moment where it did not necessarily look like he was going to have a film career. He kind of became a joke for a while, but then just sort of was chill during all of it. And then, bam, found himself a new franchise. And it was like, oh, yeah, right. We
4: always liked you. And uh, yeah, so it was fine. A thing that I find very offensive is when people act like Bill and Ted is a joke, because Bill and Ted is not a joke. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure specifically is a go-to film for me. It's a perfect film. The Bogus Journey is off the rails, but The Excellent Adventure is tight and solid, and I laugh every time, and I still tell people to watch it, so um, I don't, I,
1: I don't more- see why we write it off. I'm more yeah. pro bogus journey, but I I, Look, I I you're not wrong.
4: <laughs> I love a, I don't get me wrong, I do love the bogus journey. I love Evil Robot Asses, I love Station, I love Death, I love going to hell. When I got to college, Station. there was a rumor on, <laughs> I love Station's excellently huge Martian, but um <gasps> but when I got to college there was a rumor going around campus that the guy who played Young Bill in the like Young Bill evil easter bunny nightmare sequences went to my college and i never found him but i i hold that within me as canon of my life what i hear is that you were also college pre-internet as i was
3: when you could say things like you know that actor goes here right (laughs) and people are like really yeah and you're just looking
4: for him all the time I was in college in uh, 2003 when we were all wondering what would happen to Keanu, and I knew, I knew he was staying forever. I was in college when Keanu Reeves was shooting Chain
3: Reaction because the Madison, Wisconsin Capitol somehow is apparently like uh, the closest replica to the, you know... the federal capital in some way. And so yes, our our whisper campaign in college was constantly pretending we saw him somewhere. We <laughs> did not. Oh
1: god, this is the, this week's I'm old moment brought to you by I saw River's Edge
2: right after I finished college. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Ify, what about you? Sophomore
2: year. Sophomore year for me. Uh, <laughs> of high school. Of high school. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, class 06. We're holding it down. Uh, but yeah, Kiana was, you know, Neo. He was the the guy from um, the Surfs Up movie. It's he was point break. Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying so hard to they pull You should have just break. called it Surfs Up. I yeah, think. Surfs Up, you know? Uh, yeah, that was my Kiana. Uh, and that was all speed. Too. speed was the the jam,
1: but that, I mean, like speed had already happened when this when this post Matrix oh, prediction a good point. Has, yeah. goes on. So it's like, what is, what do you need from this man? How much how much more does he have to give you? Look, Johnny Mnemonic could have happened to anyone, uh, so you know, and, and they, it
3: might have because you never saw it.
1: Exactly, <laughs> Who down, are you to say who was <laughs> in Johnny
3: Mnemonic?
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> although I, everybody says now the black and white version is better. I I couldn't say, but it's it rumors out there uh speaking of, of of movies that we saw uh this is i guess i got this one because it's the physical media one uh, courtesy of dvdjournal.com and dvdplanet.com we get reports that a deluxe new eight nine sorry nine disc set of all four alien films is planned fresh on the heels of the theatrical re-release of ridley scott's alien as a quote-unquote director's cut the set will include multiple cuts of Alien, James Cameron's Aliens, David Fincher's Alien 3, and Jean-Pierre Jeunet's Alien Resurrection, as well as commentary from each director on each film, and lots of special features for a mere ninety-nine ninety-five. Is this important? Do you care?
3: Well, living here in the year 2003, as we currently are for this segment... Man 99.95 really goes away, huh? I really look at all these special yeah. features I can get for under a hundred American dollars. That's insane. In 2003, a yeah. hundred dollars was a thousand dollars.
4: My brain's never been able to understand inflation, so that's fair. Like a hot dog is a hundred dollars now. Um, <laughs> But I will say I uh, I don't I can't watch things that are scary. Although I have seen all of the Alien movies, um, so I would not be buying this. But I am at a place in my life where I uh, no longer trust these streamers, and I am unfortunately having to rebuild my physical media collection because I threw all of it in the garbage. My painstakingly curated VHS collection, my hundreds of thousands of dollars um if accounting for inflation uh worth of dvds i <laughs> i don't 1000 so copies
1: of the alien quadrilogy box set
4: <laughs> yes of course yeah, um yeah. but i don't know i just don't i'm reinvesting because i can't i can't not have what i need at my fingertips and i don't like the death of the DVD extra. Amen. Yeah. I'm against it. That's a huge thing. I mean, this thing just the commentary from director, that was pivotal. There's so many
3: film nerds, filmmakers of what you could learn, the idea of insights from the people who made them and that now that's like, oh, a rarity. The idea oh of
4: just getting that. Yeah. In college for some reason we would Watch over and over the director commentary on the Goonies DVD, <laughs> and R- Richard Donner is like, I gotta be honest, I don't remember doing this at all. <laughs> like, through the whole thing, <laughs> he's just like, I don't know. Oh, who's that? <laughs> so good
1: (laughs) there's nothing better than an ultra cocker director's commentary um stanley donnan and peter stone did one for charade that they recorded like in the 90s and they were both they're like they're talking over each other and they're like remembering things in completely different ways sometimes they just fall back on describing what you are seeing in the movie like it's it's nuts but i love it
2: this you know quadrility uh set reminds me of my nine disc fast and furious uh (laughs) complete collection set uh you know that that has has you all locked and loaded for the high octane you know moments so they they leave a slot for
1: future installments like i remember at one point there was a there was some like bond box set and it came out like Uh, the the year that the next bond movie was coming out and they literally just like had a space at the end and i think you could either separately buy whatever the next bond movie is going to be and shove it in there or they'd mail it to you or something like that
3: i'd rather they do that i can't tell you i'm someone who would stare at the like when they'll have (laughs) all of the things in a series lined up a certain way and then they'll switch the font for like one and you're like get out of did none of you talk to each other are you trying to kill me i'm a completist <laughs> give me this whole set leave some room in this box
2: <laughs> once you commit forget you see, about that's it. how they get you speaking of committing Elf proves that Jon Favreau can make more than one kind of film. Jon Favreau is most famous as the writer and co-star of Swingers and the writer-director-co-star of mob comedy Made. But his new directorial effort is a family holiday film starring Will Ferrell as a human who was raised as an elf on the North Pole. And its success, both critically and commercially, proves that Favreau is capable of reaching beyond his own material and outside of his home genre of swinging and urban dramedy. Is this important? Do you care?
1: Oh,
3: I very much love this reminder of Jon Favreau's roots. <laughs> if only, yeah.
1: if only he'd made a bunch more elves rather than invented the MCU. You know, what would history be now? Yeah, yeah. We'd he, have he, we'd have four new Christmas movies a year coming out from Disney.
3: No, what we'd have is somehow an even worse MCU. There would have yeah. been someone even less. uh have given love it to Michael Bay or something, putting a heart <laughs> a heartwarming twist on yeah. things. Elf was a very fun surprise. I mean, obviously, like Swingers. I was of the age when Swingers came out to be like, yeah, these people are the coolest. You're so, you're so money. You don't even know what money. To... I've not seen Swingers <laughs> since it came out, so I'm not going to quote it properly oh. here. But I am someone who enjoys it when. Directors are like, oh, I like all sorts of things. I will make all sorts of things. Yeah. Don't box me in, friend.
1: Pivots pivots are awesome. I just, I weep for the generation that took Swingers as a how-to. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I like the idea that, that Swingers plus Made constitutes a genre. That's what? such a stretch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we have a two-movie genre, which is Vince Vaughn and Jon Favreau talking to each other. Yeah. And it's a genre. <laughs> um in. people making Swingers aspirational reminds me of when I rewatched Reality Bites and I was like, Oh no.
0: Ooh. It's
4: a satire. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, Teenage Lindy. No this failed. Place is a really good show. <laughs> yeah.
1: More more movies should have that jackass disclaimer at the beginning of like I really
4: know. don't try any of this. <laughs> i love i love elf though by the way i feel like there's been some there's been some elf backlash recently where people are like maybe like the gen z are like to like to roast the millennials and say that elf is not good elf is good elf is actually perfect
1: and and it opened in theaters alongside today's
2: movie
4: (laughs)
3: Ooh,
2: that's great well on that note we're gonna take a break but when we come back we're talking about love actually
3: right max filmers you can save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos with factor america's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service you could skip meal planning grocery shopping chopping prepping cleaning up all the things i hate and you can just get factors fresh never frozen meals delivered to your door they're ready in just two minutes all you have to do is heat and enjoy
2: yeah, whether you're heating it up in the microwave or the oven, they taste wonderful. I've done both. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it, I can't tell you one of the hardest things whenever someone is trying to like, you know, meal prep is the actual meal prepping, getting all those Tupperwares together, putting all that food together. So if you have the means, it's more than worth it to sign up for Factor, get these meals to your door. They're fresh. They, you can leave reviews. You pick them out. It's not like you're getting whatever they throw at you. You get to pick them out in your favies when they're in rotation. You can pick them every time. I do it myself. So head to Factormeals.com
1: slash MaxFilm50 and use code MaxFilm50 to get 50% off. That's code maxfilm 5 at Factormeals.com slash MaxFilm50 to get 50% off. And let's get back to the show.
2: Yeah! <laughs> Today's movie came out, as we mentioned, 20 years ago. This year, it had a theatrical re-release to celebrate that anniversary, giving many the opportunity to revisit the film or to see it for the first time. Our guest has written an entire essay about this particular holiday classic and even named her book after it. Alonzo is our Christmas daddy, but we take turns here and he's going to have to recap a whole slew of holiday films later in the episode. So, Drea, would you mind giving us a brief (laughs) synopsis of Love Action?
3: I appreciate there's a disclaimer for why yeah, I'm yeah. usurping <laughs> Alonzo's position here. Just in have case someone's
2: us. like, Whoa, wait, what happened?
3: <laughs> Alonzo owns the rights to all things related to Christmas. Um, all right. Love Actually is an ensemble motion picture with nine uh, slightly connected intertwined stories. Most of them involving couples. All of them involving couples. Some have a few people, Whatever. That they care about as much as I just did. So who, we'll, we'll let it fly. Uh, some of our primary couples were looking at Hugh Grant as the newly elected prime minister with a young junior staffer who is tr- truly hideous to look at and yet he still finds it in him to find her appealing. Uh, Laura Linney with a uh, <laughs> the hottest art designer in the world working near her. Um, and then Alan Rickman trying to destroy his legacy in one single performance. Uh, a lot of other people in this. We'll get into it as we go. This came out 20 years ago. More than many of our films, you've probably seen this one. Love Actually. <laughs>
1: I think it's more like a dozen. Actually, nine might be putting it lightly. But
3: <laughs> I was yeah. reading the odds, the written thing. I was like, "Is it really only nine stories?" It seems like more. I yes. didn't even mention my boyfriend uh, Colin Firth, who, like with any of these, if you do the thing where you start to figure out the age difference in the couples, it will bum you out even further.
1: Oh my, my! You know my favorite age difference in this movie is the fact that Cure Knightley is five years older than the kid.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I can't. We'll let again. We normally just speak about films like, ah, oh, film analysis. This is good. Yeah, and and love actually is a twisty tale. So well, you, yeah, lo- it's so funny. If yeah.
1: if he's yeah. seeing it for the first
2: time, yeah, so I really want first to hear time. this. Yeah, first time seeing it all the way through because I've seen bits and pieces and I've known you know of it through you know, pop culture. And it's so funny to go into it watching it knowing just like, you know, how the zeitgeist kind of feels about it and immediately be able to clock it. Like, you know, I feel like over fifty percent of the romances in this, there's a power dynamic that, you know, really wouldn't pass HR. You know, like oh like every situation it's like, oh, it is someone in power dating like a subordinate of some sort. And then there there but there are some like cute ones that I that I do like. Even one that does technically qualify my favorite is the language barrier one because that one felt very cute and silly and fun I, I laughed at the fact that you know the the British dude gets to go to America and bang someone like I was so waiting for like the shoe to drop and be like oh, no there's no way this would work out and he gets to have his day f- for some reason um, the guy who
3: goes to Wisconsin yeah. I just want to add that if he texted our group chat whoa <laughs> hey should I be going to Wisconsin
2: oh but oh you didn't here's the thing though I didn't even give you the full flavor of it. I started typing it out by saying, "Should I be going to Minnesota?" And then, Ooh, no. and then I was like, "Wait, is Milwaukee in Minnesota?" And M looks over and goes, "No, it's in <laughs> Wisconsin, mind you." By this point, they've said the state Wisconsin, but I just, for some reason, and it, this is one of those carryover-like mix-ups as a kid, I always thought Milwaukee was in Minnesota because of the alliteration, um, but uh, but yeah, no, I was wrong, and I'm glad that, that M stopped me from, you know, besmirching <laughs> the queen of the Midwest herself yeah. to her face. Well,
3: as so- Midwestern representative, I do need to say, I re this with my friend Tessa, who Went to school with me in Wisconsin, who was horrified, disgusted, infuriated that at the Wisconsin bar they were serving Budweiser. <laughs> she was like, Excuse me, did not a single person research Wisconsin beers? Anyway.
1: So yeah, yeah. Th- this this movie was a big hit and continues to be like beloved by many. Like this year we got the first 4K home video release. There was a theatrical reissue that opened in the top 20, but there has been a growing backlash. Led, I like to think, by our guest Lindy West, <laughs> whose brilliantly scathing essay shit actually uh, has become the template, I think, by which we many people now view, understand, and analyze this movie. So I'm so thrilled that we got you for this.
4: Oh my episode. god! Yeah. Oh uh, wow! Thank you. What an honor, really. I, you know, people really love this essay, and I, I probably far greater number of people hate this essay because people are (laughs) deeply attached to love actually. And I believe in what I said in the essay. However, I have this strange reputation now as like a mad woman determined to destroy love actually. (laughs) And I really don't think about it that much. And I (laughs) really don't think it's that bad. I mean, it's really bad, but it's not like, uh, it's not that bad, but, um, it is, it, it is fun to make fun of, and yes. it is truly bizarre in many ways. Um, and it's gross. <laughs> a lot of the stuff in it is really gross. So I guess I will accept my crown of the person who has done the most damage to love, actually. But also, it's a symbiotic relationship because... Love actually has rocketed me to uh, colossal fame and fortune. Colossal. Yeah. yeah. You would never you have go. the
3: penthouse apartment in the woods. Oh that You man. currently have. Her <laughs> house
4: made that. entirely
1: of candy in the woods. Yeah.
3: I was just going to say, I think gross is a good word for it, but also it's incredibly watchable. Like in re- I am someone who very much enjoyed this film when it came out. As I said, obviously my Colin Firth love goes deep back. If he referring to him as the English guy, just belies the fact that last week he compared Saltburn to Emma. So we already know your baseline for Jane Austen is absolute bonkers wrong. But, uh, no, I, I love it. Never change. Don't you change an inch? Never take off those stupid glasses. So, but this movie in rewatching and having more of a critical eye as someone who was like a young woman when this came out and is no, you know, now just a decrepit crone. The idea of the grossness of it is—it's harder and harder to to oversee. And and like if he said, there's a lot of dynamics here. Like Alan Rickman and his secretary is one thing. Alan Rickman asking Laura Linney, who's clearly a direct report, if she's in love with their art, sir. You don't need to know <laughs> that about anyone that works for you or reports for you. Or like, or like I said, Colin Firth. I agree. I think that the whole thing with The Colin Firth character falling in love with the Portuguese housekeeper. Like, sure, all lovely stuff. And you get to see this. There's a gentleness to what their courtship looks like. And you get to see, oh, yeah, these are people who share characteristics. And they're just saying them in different languages. And yet, like, finding out, like, cool, he's 42. She's 26. Why's he got to be proposing? Why can't he just learn her language to, like, I really wanted to get to know you? I just, every time... It's
4: like Richard Curtis is like, you know what? There's something sweet here. How can I gross it up? <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, I I think I feel like at the time, um, obviously, Love actually didn't invent the ensemble superstar comedy. But to me, as a however old I was, like a 20 year old at the time, it was very exciting. And there's so much power in all of these incredible performers with the charisma up to 11. I mean, like, you can't oh, deny it. No, um, yeah. But, as you know, watching it again in 2013, I think, is when I wrote the article. As an older adult, I was like, oh, that's weird and gross. <laughs> and I don't like the Colin. I mean, I love Colin Firth, but it's like, you actually shouldn't date your employee, you know, every single thing, like you said, is gross. But um, it has a hold on people.
1: Yeah, even even Bill Nye and his manager, you know.
3: <laughs> they could have been redeemed if they'd made out. That's the only couple in this movie that I was like, please find each other. Find the happiness you two crave. That arc is my favorite arc in this, because there's an actual full shape to yeah. it. That's not it is good. totally disgusting. And he is so perfect and the trajectory of that character like you know this is this is happening let's just tell the british public get in on this stupid cash grab and the british public is like yes
2: yeah i know that one was cute i don't the main one doesn't gross me out as much because it wasn't like a regular thing it was like a, they met in this place and it like the but it still was like yeah bro you, you're working for her and then this but i i think the language barrier and them hating each other to it was just all the tropes to the max but i yeah i could not get over the alan rickman one also I couldn't get over that. That was fucking Hugh Grant. I was like, what? I was like, I only know House. Who is him? Who is this man? You know? Yeah.
3: Wait, I, did you just say House? The TV show?
2: Yes. Was that kid, not Hugh that's Grant? That's not Hugh Grant. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. God. How do you that's make Hugh me feel Laurie. so old?
3: Different Hugh. No, it's,
2: it has him. Li- oh. <laughs>
3: I want to meet Hugh Grant now only to tell him that someone confused him with Hugh Laurie.
2: Because to he
1: all white men look alike.
2: I mean, fair, fair. enough. Fair. Here's, the thing. Here's, here's why this happened. Because I was like, oh, because him said that's Hugh. <laughs> He said, that's Hugh Grant. And I was like, that's Hugh Grant. And she was like, yeah, that's Hugh Grant. I was like, that's Hugh Grant. The whole time I'm thinking Hugh Laurie. I was like, that looks nothing like Hugh Grant. She's like, yeah, no, it's Hugh Grant. No, that's Hugh Grant Uh, you
3: ver- verified.
2: Oh, oh, man. <laughs> He's
3: like, I asked four times.
2: I even <laughs> tweeted it out. That's Hugh Grant.
3: <laughs> <laughs> to a bunch of people that were like, yeah, that's like yeah, quintessential that's Hugh, Grant. Hugh, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Grant. Yeah, yeah looks exactly and, like Hugh, it's Hugh I mean, His suit's a little baggy, but it's 2003. All the clothes yeah, yeah, are yeah, baggy. Yeah, it looks
2: exactly like Hugh Grant. What is Iffy on about? <sighs> uh,. <laughs> So yeah, that, I, but my my thing with Love Actually has always been like,
1: or at least certainly in the in recent years as as the, the 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 waves have come back and forth with it. It's like I get why people love it and I get why people hate it. Like I, you know, Lindy has brilliantly articulated why people hate it. But I there is something about this movie that is so it is such a clockwork calculated entertainment machine in terms of like, now you're going to laugh. Now you're going to cry. This is cute. This is a bummer. This is adorable. Like it, it, it just like pings along so successfully until you start thinking about it at all. But as long as you don't, and you're just sort of kind of taking it in for the charm of it all, you've got like the, you've got Christmas in London, which is this, Beautiful, shiny bauble that this movie just captures in a way that makes you go, oh, ah, yes, I want to touch all of it, you know, and you've got all these these charming actors being charming, um, you know, you the, these these like Richard Curtis zingers landing at just the right time. Like it, it, it's it is, it, you know, as my friend Matt actually says, it does what it says on the box. And if you just kind of, like, ride it like a wave, you know, it's like, yes, it it, it hits all of the entertainment buttons. But then, yeah, then you're like, oh, yeah, right. Why are there so many men in this movie falling in love with their employees or otherwise having inappropriate workplace conversations? Why are, you know, like X, Y, Z? There's just so many things that fall together. And one of the things that that Lindy points out that I love is this movie, I think there's – Other movies have had to actively stop and be like, hey, guess what, guys? Women hate the grand gesture. The grand gesture is not going to like magically fix everything because you watch Love Actually and it's just one grand gesture after another and they all work.
4: But they're okay. also all terrible. Please, Lindy. Yeah, I, I just have to thank you for that segue, because I've been dying to tell you this anecdote, which is that I have a friend visiting me here in the woods right now, and she flew here from Chicago, and she told me that on the flight, they were starting to descend. There were 30 minutes left, and she watched the woman like kitty-corner from her take out her iPad, put on Love Actually, fast-forward through the whole movie just to the part where Kira Knightley watches the wedding video... <laughs> And oh, that the guy is in love with her, and then just sit there and watch that part, and then put it away. Like, no, <laughs> she just watched that scene. Yeah, it wasn't like she had. She was like get, getting to her spot so she could finish the movie. She Did just your friend
3: it. report her to TSA? <laughs> said,
1: that's the true crime-iest moment in this movie. You, that's <laughs>
4: weirder
3: than entrails in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> you it guys dark. are you're on it. You're haunted. It I'll is say dark. that scene. So rewatching it. The, the grand gestures, and, and again, being an, an old haggard crone now, they feel so gross. Like, that's part of the grossness. Like, the Andrew Lincoln, which has become a huge reference point, right? Like, so many people do the note card thing, and oh, I look uh, at it, and I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm going to ignore the fact that Keir Knightley, as Alonzo pointed out, is 18 years of age when she recorded this, his child bride, but what you're telling me is I am meant to find nothing but warm fuzzies For your this man has a grown best friend who has voyeuristically projected an entire weird relationship expectation gross dynamic on his child bride and then is like, you know what, I'm going to dump that on you. I'm going to ask you to keep it a secret from your husband and my best friend. And also, please run out in the street and kiss me as if I've
4: done you a so, favor
2: with that. Uh, and she
4: loves it. She and yeah. she loves it.
2: You know, my, my biggest, I think, issue with that too is like, you have to, if if you look even harder than that, it only gets worse, right? Because, you know, if we think about like, the concept of like saving the cat, right? And what is the redeeming quality? If we really look in between as it, like, are we saying that this is okay because her husband's black? Like, are we saying that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> because Chiwetel Ford did nothing wrong in that film other no. than being just a black dude she's married to.
3: Slightly and- questionable tie choice, but other than that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but like, because that's all I can think about is like, because I'm like, well, everything I know about like screenwriting 101 is like, we have to look, there has to be something Wrong with the husband for us to cheer for this guy mm. going behind his back and swooping in. There has to be something wrong, but we never get it. He doesn't. We don't get him being weird. We don't get him talking sassy. All we get is just a just a regular ass black dude just chilling <laughs> who who turned up the TV for some reason. He's like, no, great, you deal. You deal
3: with those strangers at our door. Yeah. Can I can yeah. I ask though if you're gonna rank which of these uh, bits are the most troubling? Would anyone else land where I did, which is upon reviewing this as a grown woman, Laura Linney, I'm like, woman, do you not have agency? Do you... She enables her own bullshit life choices. She's like, oh, my my brother, who is troubled and has mental health issues, Yo, is in a safe place. He has caregivers. He has all this. And then she just full martyrs herself. And she's like, sorry, Roger Santoro. I must take his phone
1: calls always. I must yeah. take this. I'm like, yeah.
3: oh, am I meant to feel sympathetic for you? You're an idiot who's making oh, yeah, poor, it, poor it, decisions.
2: It, it really also, but, but then the, the only saving grace in that storyline is... Bro, you known she liked you all that time, and you didn't say nothing either. She had to come talk to you. you that handsome fair, ass, tan ass, point. buff ass man. You tell also you told me that is she the only one that liked him in that office. That <laughs> was, was one <laughs> thing. That, was that fine ass man. Yeah, she the only one in that office. That fine, muscular, Brazilian sexy ass man.
3: Yeah, he didn't have any time to come and talk to her because he was at the gym. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's the one thing that I was scared. I was like, he way too fine for her to be the only one. Okay, you you telling me that she going after Alan Rickman and not that sexy ass man who's (laughs) uh, who's available right there? She would have swooped in. She would have been like, ah, Laura, you sleeping?
4: I feel like the problem with Love Actually is that it's a product of its time, essentially. You know, I mean, like that's that's it. It's like women. Uh, are really hot when they can't talk to you or um, uh, they're really not sexy when they have a brother that they take care of and you should give your old wife the Joni Mitchell CD she already has and (laughs) get your new hot secretary girlfriend a jewel or whatever he gets her. What does he get her? A necklace? The (laughs) ugliest necklace. The Mm. ugliest necklace. Like, it's just 2003 with great writing by richard curtis who i do love and you, you know what's good is bridget jones's diary but anyway um again a product of its time like it's like good and bad in the same ways but i feel like here's what i would love somebody make love actually like remake it now and also hire me to write it and <laughs> i will do a good job and the, we don't uh, even have to change any of the storylines so we can keep them all
1: a post me um, to love actually
4: Oh, well, we don't have to make it a bummer, but yes.
1: <laughs> Look, this is a post 9-11 rom-com. Although funny, speaking of airplanes, I saw this on a plane one time and they cut the reference to 9-11 in the opening narration because
2: you're on a plane.
3: <laughs> oh, man. Vote, vote, vote. Oh, yes,
2: yes. So the way we vote for things on this podcast is screen it being the highest, stream it being the next level, and skip it being self-explanatory. So who wants to start with giving us their vote?
1: I, I will just say that i must stream it because again, I sort of fall in this mushy middle of like, I get in the same way that there are people who like Hallmark movies just to kind of barely pay attention to while they're folding laundry and addressing christmas cards this is a movie that works best the less direct attention you pay to it but if it's just sort of existing in the corner of your eye and you're seeing like london and emma thompson it's like oh yes it's giving me all the christmas feels but yeah it is um you know once you start digging into it it's pretty reprehensible Mm, yes
4: I say, why not stream it? A surprise answer for me, I know. But why not stream <laughs> it and then read my book that Ooh. you buy? Buy my book and read it, shit actually. And then you'll uh, you'll understand all my jokes and references. <laughs> yes. <Perfect. laughs> and also, like, again, I love Christmas. I love London Town. I love the British. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: <laughs> in
4: select certain British ways. Uh, select British. <laughs> select British and... Um, I also you know what I love hating so I <laughs> that's fun and give yourself the gift of hating this christmas <laughs> Um, I
3: am a stream it, and not just because I'm a huge Hugh Laurie fan and I'll support him in whatever he does. Where um, was
1: Stephen Fry in all this?
3: Exactly. Stephen Fry played the wacky uh, guy who was trying to
4: box up the gift uh, and took <laughs> Steve- too long. <laughs> Stephen Fry played Natalie, the uh, junior staffer. Yes. yes. Um, famously
3: played by Stephen Fry. Um, no, yeah, this is, it's still highly enjoyable. Like it is red flag central, but I'm also already on record on this here program of how much I love the motion picture overboard. So I do not have a leg to stand on, as they say. Uh, the, The one thing I'd add, though, that is definitely missing from this is they straight up cut out the one queer relationship in it. You can watch the scene with Frances Della Tour. Many of you will know her as Madame Maxine, the French giantess from the Harry Potter films. Uh she and Anne Reed played a married couple in a uh, an absolutely bummer storyline, which is probably why the reason they got rid of it and then kept, you know, the porn stand-ins, the world's oh, most boy. expensive softcore. Um <laughs> And but I, I do recommend it. It's a beautiful little performance. Sorry to you, lesbians. Uh, but yeah, this is this is fun. Watch it with someone you love to make the fun of things with.
2: Uh, yeah, that's it's gonna, also going to be a stream for me. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it, it kind of still stands as like a fun holiday movie to watch. I think there are many films like this. I think that's kind of what the hotline call is going to be about that, like, you know, don't stand the test of time, but I think, you know, kind of hit on those things. And I do think, as a person who talks about movie professionally, that you should watch movies that are going to, like, jumpstart conversations. Some movies thrived on the conversation more than the content of the movie Napoleon Dynamite. You know, like, so, you know, sometimes you can just uh, watch a movie, talk about it, and have fun with it. I am I'm am sick that we did skip the porn standing uh conversation, because there there's no way that was a movie. And I just kept... <laughs> It was meant to be a movie. Drea's, Drea's uh, like, voice in my head was like, that would be a closed set. That would be a closed set. Why would you have the stand-ins be naked? Why are you, like, like, like what, do you, what do you mean? For everyone's working while these people are just, like, butt-ass naked? Oh, man. it this is, is like
3: pre-intimacy coordinated hey, days. And softcore porn well, always like,
1: has the best lighting. I, mean, I think we can all acknowledge
3: that. Yeah. Oh, they're known for it. <laughs> best locations? Best oh. lighting?
2: But. But yeah, it's, it's just like, it's for, for anyone who has had to do, I've I've done clothed sex scenes and they're just so, it's such a like, immediately stop to production to make sure everyone's safe, kicking out everybody. And I'm usually the guy who's like, I'm, I I put my dick out on the UCB stage. You don't got to do all this. It could be a, who wants to be in The group want to see it? Let's go.
3: <laughs> you saying that with those sunglasses is just so much worse. <laughs>
2: All right, well, we'll be right back after we hear from another show from Maximum Fun.
1: Last week, The Greatest Generation, the comedy podcast about old Star Trek TV shows like Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager,
2: just had its 500th episode. And Greatest Trek, the podcast about the new Star Trek shows like Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and Discovery, just had its 250th episode.
1: So whether you have a task that's roughly 750 hours long, or you want to learn about some of the production techniques that go into making one of the greatest franchises in television history, you should give us a
3: try either way. The Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, the best-reviewed,
2: most-listened-to Star Trek podcasts in the world. They're on Maximum Fun. Cameron Esposito here, comedian and host of Query. Every week, I get to interview someone amazing from the LGBTQIA community. Some queeros. I chat with them about their lives, loves, careers, and more. I've talked to, you know, giant celebs, Trixie Mattel, Lena Waithe, Keegan, and Sarah Quinn, but also astronauts, reverends, nurses.
4: It's funny, it gets deep, and hopefully it makes you feel like you're part of something. Join me every Monday on Maximum Fun to listen to Query with Cameron Esposito.
2: Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Stevie Way In the studio with me are Alonso Duralde,
0: Lindy West, Drea Clark. And me, Marissa Flaxbart. If he alluded to a hotline call. And guess what? Ring ring, the hotline call is from me, Marissa Flaxbart. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna of the stop show. you.
2: And I'm gonna let you start. You gotta say the line. Where's the call coming from?
0: Oh, the call's coming from inside the house. <laughs>
2: there we go. <laughs> Yes.
0: Um. <laughs> so I wanted to actually ask this rather than just typing it out as a question to pose for you, as I often do. So this movie came out when I was in college. And I have a very vivid memory of going to see it in the theater in downtown Chicago with a group of people from my dorm, including our like resident head. We all went together. And I remember that this movie made me cry in the theater. I cried and I was crying as like a romantic, a hopeless romantic who just wished, oh, I wish I could have love. Like, all these people have found love, you know? And I didn't watch it again until about five years ago. And on that watch, all I could think about was the Prime Minister Natalie storyline and just the ridiculous body shaming that happens. Like, the whole, like, elder millennial women, how did this happen to us thing. I attempted to rewatch it for this particular uh, episode. (laughs) And I, it, the the like full body cringe that like Bill Nighy saying that he had sex with Britney Spears and Alan Rickman, like you guys were talking about with Laura Linney, putting her on the spot like that. I was just like, I can't do this. I know what happens in this movie. I got it. So, with that being said, I was wondering if there's a film where you've had a major turnaround since the first time you saw the movie. And it could be, like, a change for the positive. It doesn't have to be one of these. Like, once this made me weep, now I actually can't sit through it.
3: Ooh. I have a punch.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah
3: I'm
0: mercurial.
3: My <laughs> opinion changes. All- no. Um, my good opinion once... Wants- gone is lost forever that's another Colin Firth line iffy (laughs) you gotta get some Jane Austen under your belt
2: yeah look
3: (sighs) like when you posed this question I had a film immediately come to mind and again I had spoken about it with my buddy Tessa in New Orleans but uh Sofia Coppola's Lost in Translation I remember adoring when I saw it I remember being like yes I get feeling displaced I get having those you know Uh, transitory moments of connection and blah, blah. and then in revisiting and I'm like these assholes like (laughs) she's she's so she's untethered and vapid but like I'm like oh it must be terrible to have enough money to just be in Tokyo and then to not actually be exploring or trying to connect with culture at all just like a whiny grump about what your husband's doing Um, And fair enough, if your husband is Spike Jones, played by Giovanni Ribisi, I would also be a little cranky, but you know, the world is what it is. I just and then the whole connection with Bill Murray, I think both Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson have lovely performances for what they're doing. Like, I can still respect elements of that. And I think there's texture to Love Trans or Lost in Translation that I nod to, but it's something that the older I get and the more time that passes in revisiting and I'm like, these people are snobs and their boredom is ugly. It's it's a it's a petulant kind of position to have for two people that you want me to fundamentally sympathize with. And I do not. Plus, you know, there's also just a real casual racism of every Japanese person in that. It's just like, oh, you're here as set dressing. <laughs> Don't mind if you do. Oh, well, speaking um, of
1: casual racism against Japanese people, can I (laughs) I interest you in a film called Sixteen Candles? Uh, I thought you were going to say Breakfast at Tiffany's. Well, no. no, uh, I could, but I won't. Uh, I I was obsessed. Obsessed with Sixteen Candles my senior year of high school when it came out um, and just thought it was like so smart and observant that I'd never seen a teen movie that featured actual teens and not like 35 year old Stockard Channing and like there was all these things about it that I loved and many of those things I still love but boy howdy <laughs> that movie between the racism and the rapiness is just like I cannot watch you maybe ever anymore I don't think and my Ringwald, bless her heart, has written really great essays about this in like The New Yorker, talking about like watching it with her own kids and looking back on it now with, you know, a contemporary uh, point of view. But it's like, ooh, ah, you know, it's yeah, that's a difficult one. But I also have, I also have a one that I that I, I like now that I didn't get initially. And that was um, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but Bringing Up Baby. Uh, it's a great, great American comedy. But I grew up obsessed with What's Up, Doc, which is basically the, you know, the I can't believe it's not butter of bringing a baby. And they're both ter- terrific movies. I, I no shade on What's Up, Doc, but I was so locked into What's Up, Doc as my like, you know, Rosetta Stone that I couldn't grasp the greatness of bringing up baby and then i revisited it again a couple of years ago for a film and a movie and i was like oh okay yes this is actually legitimately great and so uh so you oh, know oh
0: thank god did
4: you have one lindy yes okay so i already mentioned that when i was in high school i thought that reality bites was aspirational and the thing that would fix my life was having ethan hawk be my boyfriend <laughs> Um, which is not true. Um, so I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to flip it. And this is so pedestrian and you're all going to be mad at me. But OK, so I have a podcast called Text Me Back with My Best Friend. And she has a tradition where every like Christmas or whatever winter holiday, she watches all of Lord of the Rings. And I was always like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I don't know. And I was kind of a Lord of the Rings head in high school. And. As a child, and so I was one of those people that was like, "That's not what happens <laughs> <Or whatever>. <laughs> <laughs> But then we decided to do an All Lord of the Rings episode for our holiday episode. so I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna watch the whole th- like rewatch the whole thing, and I watched the extended editions, which I truly thought I would never in my life watch and spend twelve hours on. And I loved it so much. I was like on my couch with my little blankie and I was like immersed for 12 full hours. I watched the entire thing and it was really good. And I felt like the extended edition is better than the theatrical. And I felt like the world building and the storytelling and the character development was much better. And I never thought that in a a million years I would watch 12 hours of this commercialized tolkien crap crapola but i loved it i know that's so boring because like everyone <laughs> alonzo watches no 12 hour movies like once a week
3: you're in good company here oh, yeah. well, that's
1: a do- but, but i that's but i a... bailed on lord of the rings after the first movie so i, I might have to go back now telling me the I mean, oh.
4: there's just something so cozy about it you just mm. like mm. because you know sauron's gonna lose at the end it's not like you have to be stressed <laughs> It's
0: not like <laughs> that damn True. ring's gonna make it to Mordor.
4: <laughs> they're gonna yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, it's
0: they, fine. They'll figure
2: it out. It's gonna be good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what was yours, Ziffy? Well,
2: mine was one that we you got to, if you go back and listen, you can hear it. Live uh, on the air, which was like Harlem Nights. You know, I didn't watch it again <laughs> until we all watched it together for the pod, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this does not hold up at
0: all." Like, this is,
2: and you know, it is it is funny when you go back, but you know, surprisingly, when you go back and watch like American Pie and like Super Bad, they 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 do try and like you know, nail the talk about consent and try and represent people the best way. And, uh, you know, that just didn't quite happen in Harlem Nights. (laughs) What I'm going to
3: remind the world here is that you're walking back Harlem Nights and yet your love of Space Jam stands strong.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, because, you know, there there was no, um, you know, making fun of the the mentally challenged in space fair, jam fair. uh you know there was no uh no homophobia in space jam as far as i remember there's a lot uh, you can say about space jam but problematic is not yeah one of yeah them. yeah yeah. you can <laughs> you can say a lot about michael jordan's acting but you what the, the best things are the things he didn't say <laughs>
3: Without a shirt on. i will yeah, remind everybody yeah. of the real reason that movie's good. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate those answers to my questions all. And listeners, uh, remember, like, give me a call sometime. It's MaximumFun.org slash hotline. Leave us a message. You, you too can have the, uh, the hosts answer your hotline question. You can be like me.
1: Ooh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you submit it in writing, if you will portray your voice in a bonkers accent.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, we'll, right. try, we'll try our best to try different accents, you know.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Marissa.
2: Thank you, Marissa. Thank you. All right. Well, look, it's that time of year, so it's that time to say it's time for the Christmas Movie Minute by the Christmas Daddy himself, where Alonzo's going to go through all the Christmas movies that he watched in a week in under a minute. Alonzo, are you ready? (sighs) Okay, let's do
1: it. So I am still behind, and there's no way I'm ever gonna catch up on the Hallmark, except at least not before, uh, oh, probably by the end of the year. Anyway, but let's get into it. So uh, El Sabor de la Navidad is a movie on VIX, which is a Spanish-language streaming service. Salma Hayek produced it. Um, Really delightful, funny, charming, um, trans-inclusive in a very cool way. Uh, Really liked it, Uh, a a lovely surprise. Uh, Christmas on Sherry Lane, also uh, one of the queer-inclusive movies on Hallmark this year, uh, does a parallel storyline that uh, actually works pretty well, and um, they really stick the landing, especially with the gay couple. Uh, Friends and Family Christmas, the other gay Hallmark movie this year, a bit of a letdown. The lesbians were charming, but the plot line felt very hokey and old-fashioned. Merry Little Batman on Amazon is a a superhero cartoon, but very Christmassy, and works in all the ways, round and round, believe the hype. It's the Hallmark Hanukkah movie, the best thing they did all year, in a very strong year. Maybe one of the best movies they've ever done. Really see it, even if you think you
2: hate Hallmark oh wow that was the final Christmas movie minute of the year you made
3: it <sighs>
1: 2023 we hardly knew ye, <laughs> but I'm already
2: excited about 2024 so. I'm going to be was... breathing into a paper bag for a moment if that's okay,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Well, while you breathe into that paper bag let's jump into staff picks it could be any movie at all so who wants to start
3: I do I'm very excited. Um, in revisiting this, being like, oh, it's an ensemble movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's sort of vignette style. There's hijinks. There's romance. There's a couple of weaker performances. A couple of great... I'm talking about 1999's Go. Doug uh. Lyman. I freaking love this movie. Um, I made friends with Des Askew, who plays the British dealer in this. And he mm-hmm. was like one of my... Like bar friends at Bordner's back in the day, and he still sends me an email every once in a while. Timothy Oliphant, America's Dream. like So hot. Is anything (laughs) happening? Never been
4: hotter. There's nothing ever hotter hotter on screen than him. I used to be, I'm the woman on the plane, fast forwarding to just that part where he's like on the stairs. (laughs)
3: Yeah. (laughs) All of that, we get Sarah Pauly who should be the lead uh, in every movie. I've always wanted to be her. I continue to want to be her. I love this. There's uh, William Fickner taking himself way too seriously, which is the exact tone I want from William Fickner. Like, (laughs) scary. Got Wolf is in this because it was made in 1999. Like, what is not to love about Baby Go? Melissa
1: McCarthy. I mean, where, oh my where? God. this should be the love actually. Um, it really you know. should. That's
3: what I'm saying. You <laughs> want to get into vignette style ensemble Christmas. Go is your movie. It's free on Pluto right now with ads. You can rent it for like four bucks pretty much anywhere else. Please nice. watch it. Think of me. Uh,
1: mine is also a Christmas movie and it's one that I mentioned really quickly in last week's uh, Christmas movie minute but I wanted to stop and put a flag in it if your idea of christmas time fun is more in the gremlins camp and less in the love actually camp have i got a movie for you there's something in the barn it is a new comedy horror film starring uh, the wonderful martin star uh he and his Ameri- very american family wind up going to norway where he and his second wife think they're going to open a bed and breakfast but wouldn't you know it there's something in the barn uh, and that something ties into the country's tradition of the Nisei, which are the barn elves, which if you are nice to them, they'll help you out. But if you are not, um, they will cause mischief. And in this movie, they cause more than just mischief. Um, It is a lot of fun and never takes itself too seriously, but also doesn't, uh, get so funny that it undercuts the tension and the thrills. Um, it is currently available for rent in,
3: on all the streaming platforms that rent you things. Check it out. I'm excited that took a turn because I was like, what's in the barn? Is it, is it Mary and Joseph? Is that, is that, that seems like a strange Martin Star movie. Yeah,
1: that, that's what they, they were originally going to title that that nativity musical with Antonio Banderas that came out this year. There's What's something in the barn? barn, but they didn't go nice. that
4: way. Nice, Lindy. <laughs> and he recs- so hard. I am stressed. Um, I feel like I just have to go with my go-to because I already told you my number one go-to, which is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. My number two go-to. <laughs> gotta be the fugitive for life i the fugitive is the gold standard of all film um i don't like anything as much as i like the fugitive and in fact i have been on the record of saying that the fugitive might be the only good movie um it's perfect the cast is perfect the writing is iconic um tommy lee jones harrison ford i don't feel like i need to explain it this is like explaining gravity to you but um i never get sick of watching the fugitive and i will watch it every day till the day i die and i also (laughs) i also made a movie that just came out and you can watch it on amazon if you want it's called thin skin it's really good it's for rent on vod
3: Thin Skin is fantastic. I programmed it at Bentonville Film Festival. I
4: know. Thank you. I and highly recommend it. And then we didn't get it. to go because of COVID-19. I know. We had to do.
3: We did a Q&A over Zoom and YouTube, as all Q&As were in that year. And it is a film that that is, I've talked about it before. A lot of indie films did not get all of the lovely light and love they would have uh, in those
4: deep pandemic days. So please check out Thin Skin. Oh, my Thin God. Skin it was such a nightmare and then we finally got a distributor and we it was coming out in September and then we had to cancel it because of the strike <laughs> it was so rough so it's, it's finally out something. and if um I would love your support and also it's just I'm genuinely I think it's really good and it's my little baby but um so I would do a double feature of thin skin and the fugitive <laughs> <laughs>
1: the fugitive is on paramount plus for people who are wondering and they put out a gorgeous new 4k this year you can it
4: too? for yeah. yeah it's for 99.95 <laughs> i heard for my physical media collection and by the way when i mentioned earlier my precious treasure trove of vhs's go was in there it is like at the top of the pile i watched that so many times i love it that was a really good a one perfect film
2: don't steal yes. my sunshine. Iffy. All right. Well, so this film took place in 2003. So I wanted to pick a film that from 2003, and wouldn't you know, that was a big fucking year for Iffy. There is a in, in 2003 a lot of films Iffy liked. It, it's almost hard to pick, you know, you know, with with such bangers like Spy Kids, 3D, Game Over, Too Fast, Too Furious. Look, but I have to keep it real. What did Iffy, a young Iffy, who on his blog, September 10th of 2003, said, well, this week has been fun. Vanessa called me gay. I really got to go. Told you I won't be able to talk much, but I think I bombed my AP world history test. But I'll make it up for this big assignment that's due. But that's cool. I got That nothing. genius. <laughs> his staff pick is going to be none other than something that has been a tastemaker, not only for movies, but for women, and that is Underworld, baby, because that movie changed everything. Close runner-up is Daredevil, which I did on the DVD, since we're talking about physical media, which had the Bring Me to Life music video on it that I did watch on repeat to see Amy Lee. So, So a young iffy getting goth Kate Beckinsale and Amy Lee in the same year? Oh, you better believe that made him who he is today. That made the man who thinks Pacific Rim is a perfect movie. Huge thanks to Lindy West. You've got a lot (laughs) going on. A newsletter, a podcast, a movie coming out. Tell the folks at home what to look out for.
4: Oh, my God. Please subscribe to my newsletter. It is about movies. So it's on brand for this podcast. It's called, unfortunately, Butt News, um, because I <laughs> named it that before I knew I was really going to use it. <laughs> but it is um, actually appropriate because that's sort of my vibe. And um, Butt News, and you can buy my books, and you should definitely subscribe to my podcast, which is called Text Me Back, which is funny as hell. And um, and you should watch Thin Skin. Thank you so much. You can stream it on Amazon right now. yay Yay. thanks Thanks for for coming oh my god thank you so much for having me and letting me plug all my stuff and listening to my bad taste I (laughs) love you guys
2: (laughs) you are always welcome Lindy I was so hyped to have you on so hyped to have you on for this specific episode
3: well yeah and if we ever talk about that other Hugh
4: Laurie banger Bridget Jones diary we'll have you back (laughs) (laughs) I never saw it I just watched it for the first time this year and I was like excuse me this yeah. is good Oh, like, great
2: and Christmassy Dre and Alonzo thank you for another wonderful show and if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show send us an email at MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org or find us at any of our social media channels all those links are in the show notes our producer is Marissa Flaxbart Our soon producer is Laura Swisher and this is a production of Maximum Fun bye bye yay, yay.